is good to have my son Jacob and daughter-in-law Morgan uh, with us today. Jacob's filling in for Brother John, and uh, we miss him though. I miss you guys. Amen. What a what a honor. So many most people go on vacation to get away from the pastor, but uh, they invited us to go with them, and uh, they had a two-bedroom condo down in Key West. And uh, Pastor uh, Brother John called and said, "Now, Pastor." I'm going to ask you a question, but don't say no until you've thought about it. <laughs> and uh, we knew it's been a very busy year and we haven't done anything. And so uh, we thought about it not very long. When you have somebody offering a free room, man, you didn't think about it too long. But we were so honored, so blessed to get to spend time with John and Amy. Uh, precious people and wonderful parts of the church. And... Um, we appreciate them. So we, 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 we'd, never, we'd never been to Key West. Key West is the furthest island down Florida. You go all the way down Florida, start the islands. First one's Key Largo. And then you go across all those bridges. There's like a one seven-mile bridge. You get down there to the very last island, and it's Key West. Uh, Key West, and I'm going to tell you a little history in a minute in, in my message, uh, but pretty much was just inhabited by pirates. And... Uh, the Navy came in early 1800s and uh, began to put the pirates out. And then they, from early 1900s up to 1974 or so, uh, was pretty much all naval. Uh, that's where the um, submarines were and everything after that. So it didn't even start uh, tourists until in the 80s. And uh, so a lot of history there, a lot of things that I, I never knew, never been there. Anyway, it was a very uh, unique, just, just, just to go up and down the streets and to see all the houses and the architecture, everything built uh, in the 1800s. Uh, quite fascinating, beautiful places. Uh, and so anyway, we had, had, a, had a wonderful, wonderful week. But uh, anyway, I want to share some things from that. This, this message today is inspired uh, from our, our vacation. Uh, just because if, as you see all the things and the history and uh, man, uh, everything I see, I can't help it. But I just have to apply a spiritual meaning to it. And, uh, and so I, I, I trust and, and pray that you're blessed today. Today we'll talk to you about who is your salvage master. So come on, let's just pray. Let's just welcome the presence of the Lord and ask Him to anoint us today. Heavenly Father, so grateful for Your presence. Thank You for a wonderful time. Thank You for John and Amy. Bless them, Lord, for letting us tag along and just opening our hearts and our eyes and our... our, our just, we learn so much, Lord. And we thank You for uh, the battle's fault. And for territories won and for the history that is there. And Lord, we just thank you today that as we apply this to our life, that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to somebody today. Who's their salvage master? And I pray, Lord, that we would just change masters if it's the wrong one. So we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted a big amen. So as I told you earlier, uh, Key West here is, is mostly uh, pirates and uh, just the, the seas out there are so uh, dangerous. Uh, there, there's a reef uh, that runs all the way uh, around that whole part. And so back then, before any waters were charted, many uh, ships were lost uh, to that shallow reef. 
and uh, had an opportunity uh, to go out and uh, to dive. I'm a scuba diver and I got to go dive that reef and the guys snorkeled up above us. And uh, uh, just, just beautiful, uh, all of that. But, you know, as I'm down there uh, thinking about all the treasure that's there, hoping I come across something, uh, but uh, it, it, it's there. No doubt, all the ships and the things that have sunk in the treasure. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, early in the early uh, in eighteen hundreds, uh, then America, because it becomes a very important part and uh, for our navy, and we put out the pirates, and it becomes a part of the United States. Salvaging became the major industry. So all of the houses there. Uh, you find we were in Ernest Hemingway's house, and you might have read his books and uh, things, but uh, he was there. Most of the houses have a third story. They just have this little tower on top. And it was for view, and it was for looking out, because the reef is about five miles off ashore. And so when a boat would come, and it would, uh, because of the winds, because it got off course, because it didn't know the waters, it would run aground, and it would wreck... And the people, somebody that whoever saw it first would shout, wreck, and then everybody would take off out there. Whoever touched the boat first became the salvage master. It was the salvage master's duty to get everyone off of the ship safe. It was his duty to everyone that came to give them the jobs. And then they would completely unload all of the ship, put it in all the different ships, and if the ship was in battered of shape, completely disassemble the ship and bring it to land. Where? They would go before the salvage judge. The captain would be able to make his spiel. Then the salvage master. And then he would make his decision. Most of the time. Here is how it was broken up. Everything was auctioned off. The salvage master. Got 50%. The captain. Got 25%. And everyone else. Got 25%. Well it didn't take long. 1850's. Key West was one of the wealthiest cities in America per capita because of salvage. Profiting off of other people's demise. And everybody wanted to be the first one to touch the ship. Many, it made many, many wealthy, wealthy people because you realize all of those ships traveling, they were coming from Spain, they were coming from Europe, they were coming over to the new land, and they, they were getting all of the treasures, they were taking them back, they were bringing them, there was silver, there was gold, there was all the, so many things that they were trading, and when the ships went aground, and it was auctioned off, everyone in the town, Benefited, So now people begin to come from all over. And they begin to come to Key West. And they became professional wreckers. The salvage industry boomed. 
And these wreckers spent their time, their life, salvaging these ships that were crashed. My question to you today is who's your salvage master? Who has his hands on your ship? You see, our lives are just ships. Sailing the seas of life. And how many knows in life there's storms? In life there's winds. I mean, we experience all kinds of storms. Mental storms, emotional storms, physical storms, financial storms, marriage storms, family storms, church storms. Storms come. And today, lives are still being wrecked by the storms of life. And the enemy is still trying to put his hands on our stuff and claim it for his own. It was an opportunity and it was amazing to go uh, through the, the, the um, museum. Uh, Mel Fisher, I think there was a movie about him years ago. He spent his life searching for the treasure of the Atocha. The Atocha was a Spanish ship. It was traveling in a galleon of other ships. And because of a, tor- a hurricane, uh, they, they anchored. And it, they had the anchor there in the museum. Huge. But that thing was just snapped in two. Loosing the ship from its moorings and being tossed. And it was lost. They, where it sank, they put up a buoy and they marked the spot. And then the ship sailed on back to Spain. They sent people back to locate it. But another hurricane had come through and scattered it all across the ocean. 1622. Mel Fisher, you look him up, he began... From a little kid, first made a diving apparatus out of a tin can and a hose and to, to look down in a puddle. Spent his life diving and looking for treasure. And in 1985, he found the wreckage of the Atocha. As of today, they've already pulled up over. $400 million worth of gold and silver and, and, and rubies and, and, and what's the green one? Emeralds and, and artifacts and all this stuff. And they estimate maybe another $600 million being out there. But because of hurricanes, it scattered it all over. And he spent his life searching. You know, we can spend our whole life searching. Never find anything of value. As I dove, as I was there, we were diving in Cannonball Alley. Cannonball Alley is a reef where so many of the ships would come and they would crash into the reef. And because if they weren't too bad damaged, they just went aground because it's very shallow. And uh, uh, they would start unloading the cannonballs. So many ships had went aground and threw the cannonballs over. The cannonballs were just thrown all through that area. Most 
they're all been mostly picked up by now by divers and all the people they're used as door stops and everything else in the homes in Key West as people has gone through and finding. But you know what? Right there, I knew there, there, there's got to be some treasure here. But you know, it gets covered over by sand. It gets covered over all kind of things. So many of the artifacts we saw was covered in coral. You looked at it, you didn't know what it was. It's a, a silver bar worth millions of dollars, but it's covered in shale and, and stuff growing off of it. And you wouldn't even know what it was unless you... The prophetic, they know what they're looking for and have the right equipment. How many of us in our life have gone ashore, have crashed, have thrown overboard important things in our life? How many of us have things of value strewn across the years of our life? You go back to look for them. They're lost. Sometimes we get them back. Sometimes others, because once it goes to the sea, it's fair game. Unless it's in a national park. <laughs> That's where we're all diving. You find anything there, you get the privilege of finding it, but it goes to them. You can still go on those expeditions with Mel Fisher. His son is now taken over. You can go on those expeditions and search for that, search for that treasure. But you have to give it to them into, the, into that museum to go and look. Because each box of gold, each box of silver was stamped with insignias. It was on the ledger whose it was, who it belonged to. And I thought as I stood there looking at other people's treasures that they lost because of a shipwreck and because somebody put their hands on it and claimed it. I'm tired of the devil putting his hands on our stuff that belongs to us, that God has given us, our precious children, our families, uh, our relationships, and he's trying to put his hands on it and claim it as his. But in the name of Jesus, can you say it with me? Devil, take your hands off of my ship. Woo! John 10, 10 says the thief comes except to steal, kill, and destroy. Who is your salvage master today? Who is claiming your goods? Who is trying to take your health, your wealth, your, your mind, your strength? Trying to steal away your gifts and your talents that God has placed in your life. That He wants you to use for His kingdom and for His glory. But the enemy has got his hands on it and he's using it for his good. We just sang it a while ago, what the enemy meant for evil. The Lord will turn it for my good. I'm telling you, there's people out there. We've got young people. You have children, maybe grandchildren. Amen. The enemy has put his hand on and he's stolen them away and he's using them and he's using their talents and their gifts and their abilities. But I'm telling you, don't give up. Continue to pray. Devil, take your hands off of my ship. And you know what? Those little ships belong to you too. We claim them for God. We claim their gifts and their talents and their wealth and their blessing for God. You know, there's all kind of different wrecks. Some, as we've already said, would just go aground. I've done that in a boat before. 
I remember me and Papa one time were out in a little flat-bottom boat and had a little motor and we, we were going across there, Lake Palestine, and went up on a stump and hit high center. We rocked and rolled and all that thing would do was set up there on that stump and it would just go round and round in circles. We were stuck. So I had to get out of the boat and go down to the one end, to the front. It was the lightest. And lift it up and get us off of the high center. Get us off. I, I've gone aground on sandbars. I had to raise engines up and do everything to get... Because sometimes you don't realize how shallow you are. On the surface, it all looks the same. But you don't know what's lurking underneath. It is just amazing. Those of you who've had opportunity to snorkel or to dive, or, uh, it's amazing how that you can be up on that boat and you can look out there and you see nothing. It's just water. As far as you know, there's nothing under that water. And then you jump off of that boat. You're sitting there floating in that water and it's just waves and reach up and let the air out of your vest. And as you start sinking, a whole Another world comes to sight. It's like being in an aquarium. Every size and shape. And I mean, it's just mind boggling. The beauty that, that is under the sea. But you know what? As I was going along the bottom, I kept having to watch my gauge. Because I would get too deep. And then all of a sudden I'd realize my tank's almost sticking out of the water. Because it would get real shallow. you got to watch. And there's times that man, it looks good on the surface. But underneath, there's dangers. I got to, on this dive, uh, Joe, I came across about an eight-foot shark. He was laying down there just sleeping. But I got too close and worked that dude up. And he came swimming out of that hole. And then I started chasing him and following him with my camera. And then got back home and watched and looked and realized when he came out of the hole, I was so scared I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> he was a big one. This nerf shark, nerf shark, they're not, they're, they're good. But you know what, the, the, the beauty, but you see them tiny little microscopic things. Up to the big, just the majestic beauty of God's creation. But to think about how many people lost. Not only their, they lost their life, many lost their life to the sea. But their treasures. So, the, 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 we're talking about, I got sidetracked. We're talking about the different stages. So there's some that just go, go, go aground and uh, they're just stuck. Uh, but you know what? You lighten the load a little bit. You throw over the cannonballs. And uh, the ship comes up just a little bit. And you're free. And you sail on. How many ever been stuck for just a little bit? But you know what? The Bible says uh, that we're, 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 we're so yoked. And, and How did we get yoked up with the burdens and the, the sins and things that so easily beset us? And sometimes we get a little heavy in the water. We're, we take on too much stuff. And we go aground, but we, then we pray and we, we cast our burdens upon the Lord. And pretty soon we're riding a little higher in the water and we're sailing on and all is well. Then there's those 
who hit stick, get holes in the ship, and then the salvage master comes and touches it, and everything is taken. But they got their life, they spared their life, they got 25% of their stuff. But then there's those all across that vast ocean that have sank. They're no more. Life's lost, ships lost, treasures lost. They're there somewhere. I tell you today, your ship in life has those perils and those dangers and the enemy would love to shipwreck you. The wreckers would love to come and destroy. Well, there's, there's still a lot of wreckers in the world. They love to see your demise. They're just watching the horizon for you to get stuck so they can come and lay claim to your stuff. The enemy would love to sink your ship. To sink all the ships around you. But I'm telling you today, God wants to spare you. God wants to navigate for you. God wants, amen, to allow you to get unstuck. Everybody say, help me, Lord. Get unstuck. There's a lot of people stuck. They're stuck in relationships. They're stuck in jobs. They're, 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 they're stuck in bad situations. They're stuck in health issues. They're stuck in poverty. They're, they're, they're stuck in so many ways. But I'm telling you, God will help you get unstuck. Amen? You see, your fate, your fate depends on whose hands are on your ship. One wants to steal, kill, and destroy. One wants to claim your goods. One wants to take your treasures. One, amen, wants to dismantle you. Amen, but the remainder of John 10, 10, Jesus said, but I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen, God, amen, wants to put His hands on your ship. And He doesn't want to take your stuff. He wants to multiply it. He wants to add to your life. He wants to be a blessing. He wants to lighten your load. So that you can get back to sailing. He wants you to get back. Amen. What the enemy has stolen. Amen. What, what, what storms are you in today? What is your life? What waters are you sailing in today? Are they calm? Are they smooth? Are they rough? Finally, we, we, we had such a wonderful... The whole island is about six miles. About half of that's man-made. As they dug out all the, 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 the canals and around there for the... Uh, in the early 1900s for the submarines. Uh, they put all that dirt and stuff up on the land. And they doubled the size of that island. And uh, it's still about six miles. It's very small. But we walked four or five miles a day. And, excuse me... <coughs> Rode bicycles and anyway, finally we, on Friday we got to have a beach day, and uh, we were we were sitting there, we we're eating lunch, and we were looking out across that. And I told Amy and John and Amy, I said, uh, if it could always be this way, it would be wonderful. I'd like to 
live right there. You'd like to have a beachfront property. You'd like to have those boats. Man, I took pictures. I love boats. And so I was taking pictures of all the yachts and all the things. And they're just gorgeous, all the sailboats. And I said, if it could stay just like this. The sun was shining. The breeze was slightly blowing. The water was just shimmering. If it could just stay that way, wouldn't life be wonderful? That was Friday. Saturday, we woke up and we walked outside. We had to catch our Uber to go to the airport and the skies were black. It was dark. The wind was blowing. And I said, oh, it looks like it might rain a little. See, we hadn't been watching the weather. We didn't know there was a tropical storm. We got to the airport at 10. We're flying out at 12. And then it's raining harder and it's harder and it's harder. And they say your flight's going to be at 1. And then it's going to be at 2. And it's going to be at 3. And finally at 4.45, we fly out of there on a little airplane. And that 25-minute ride was like coming out of the chute on a bull. It was rocking and rolling. We landed in Miami. Missed our flight. Another flight going to be at 8. And then a little later, a little later, we find the guy out there almost at 9. Landed in Texas. Thank you, Jesus. I love Texas. Florida, you think Texas is all, they are mask. I don't know the word. And not just your face, you've got to have your nose, everything covered. And if it comes down off your nose, somebody is going to jump on you and tell you, put it on your nose. They're handing out tickets, 500 bucks. And I mean, it's, it was crazy. So the whole week of vacation out there walking and with a mask on, couldn't breathe all week. Got back to Texas and took that mask off. And at 1 a.m., guess what we did? See, y'all were all in bed at 1 a.m., Right? We were in the drive through at Whataburger. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo! Se- seafood's good. Fish, shrimp, all that's good. I had it all. But you can't beat Whataburger. We were, come on. Come on. Yeah. We rolled in this morning about 2 a.m., got in bed about 2.30. My alarm went off at 6 o'clock, and here I am. You know what that's called? That's, that's real life. You see, it can't always be smooth. It's not always sunshine and smooth waters. Listen, in life, our ship, our life, we encounter rough seas. We encounter wind. And when we got back and we landed, we looked back because at, 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 we were on, Amy was on this uh, site on Facebook, uh, Far Key West and things to do and all that. And we went back and guess what? After we left the very street that we were walking down Duval and walking down every day and shopping, people were swimming in the street. They were kayaking in their front yards. Amen. Listen, every, things happen. Storms come. Lives are stuck. Lives are wrecked. Lives are lost. But I'm telling you today, who's got their hands on your ship? 
You're not going to get through life without a storm. But if in the storm you got the right hands on your boat. You see, salvaging went away. Why? Why did people stop crashing on the reef? Because they started charting. Sailors started making charts and maps. And they started riding danger. And they started showing. So when other ships came, they knew, don't go up in there. But still, because they were sailing vessels, when the storms of life came and the winds were blowing that way, guess what? You just went where the wind told you to. You had no control. You would try to anchor, but it would pull you loose. You were subject to the elements on the outside. And then steam engines came along. Jacob said it earlier to me this morning in the, uh, in the office. He said before... I'm going to find his quote right here. Because it was good. I wrote it down. He said, what was within determined your course, not what's without. See, the wind used to be on the outside and it determined where they went. But when they got steam engines, it was what was on the inside now that determined their course. Now they can go against the wind. Now I don't have, just because the wind's blowing that way, I don't have to go that way. Just because society's going that way, I don't have to go. Just because the political winds are blowing that way, I don't have to get caught up in it. Just because the storm of life is taking me toward dangerous ground, I have power within that can take me in a new direction. Engines changed everything. And Amy Jackson, she said this. She said, Jesus charted our course through the world. Jesus showed us. He gave us a map. He showed us how to get through this world and make it. He showed us how to love one another. How to forgive people when they do you wrong. He showed us how to serve. He showed us how to love. He showed us how to give. He showed us how to die. But He showed us how to live again. Jesus charted our course. So here's the deal. We don't want Jesus to just be our salvage master. We don't, I, don't, I want His hands on my ship. But can I tell you something even better? It's when Jesus is your captain. Jesus is the captain of your life. And not only does He have His hands on your boat. And because of that, your boat's blessed. Think about it. He looked at Peter and John. He looked at those fishermen. He looked at their boat. And their boat was empty. And he said, just cast your nets on the other side. And they said, we already tried that. Yeah, but that was before I I had my hands on your boat. 
That's when you just had your hands on it. That's when you was in your effort. That's when you were trying to do it on your own. But when Jesus put his hands on it, when Jesus blessed it, they had so many fish, they couldn't contain them. They called other other boats. All the boats were full until they were almost about to sink. Because when Jesus puts his hand on your boat, he doesn't take your stuff. He multiplies it. But when he's the captain... He knows how to sail you through the dangerous waters. He knows where the reefs are. He knows where the rocks are. He knows where the icebergs are. He knows where the safe ports are. We had opportunity. Last story. If you ever get a chance to go, I encourage you, just just go Google it. Fort Jefferson. Fort Jefferson, there's an island. There's about 1,800 of the islands of the Keys. Uh, a lot of them have been reclaimed by the sea now. Uh, about 30 or 40 are named and less than that's inhabited. But there's a one island. It's very small. And the pirates would sail through there. It, it, it took on the name La Tortuga. means the turtle. Well, after a while, they changed the name to Dry Tortuga to let people know that there was no fresh water on this island. But it was very important. It's about 70 miles off the coast of Key West, out in the Gulf. And it became very, very important when we begin to have battles and when uh, other enemies begin to come. The United States realized we need that. Because that's our last defense before they get into the Gulf of Mexico and our waters. And, and, and so early 1800s, uh, we took control of lost uh, Dry Tortuga and decided to build a fort. Now, I want you to go. I don't have any pictures today. Uh, I took a ton, but just Google it. Fort Jefferson. This island, they used 16 million bricks. And they built a fort that looks like an octagon around the entire island with a moat all around it. It housed over 420 cannons. There was no place on the island that couldn't see what was coming and wasn't protected. And from the time we built it, we never had to use it because nobody in their right mind is going to try to sail up on a fort with 420 cannons. And there's no weak spots. You can see all the way around. Man. We could sure learn a lesson from that, couldn't we? Church, it's time that we fortify our lives. It's time we fortify our minds. It's time we start building a hedge of protection around our children. You know what? They could have just built a wall on one side and thought, well, let's just build it on the open side because, you know, nobody's going to come around this way or this way. How many knows the devil's sneaky? And if he can find a way to sneak in, he will. But when you have a complete surrounding, amen, when you're covered in the blood of Jesus from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, amen, when the cannons, amen, are all the way around, the enemy's just a little leery.
of showing up. You know what? When they come by that and take a look at that, why don't we just sail on? Aren't you ready for the devil to just sail on? Stop stopping at your ship. But you know what? Once he gets his hands on it, he'll claim it. He'll start taking your stuff. But you know what? The good thing about it is, back then you couldn't, but today, spiritually, you can change masters. If the devil's put his hands on your life, if he's put his hands on your family, if he's put his hand on your health, if he's put his hands on your finances, amen, you can declare in the name of Jesus, devil, take your hands off my ship. And you can invite Jesus to put his hands on your ship and restore and to fix and to patch and get you sailing again, get you floating again, get you back, amen, on the sea of life, get you into the safe harbor and get your treasure blessed. Amen. I'm tired of him stealing my treasure. I'm ready to be blessed. What does the devil have his hands on today? You say, how do I know if the devil's got his hands on my stuff? Well, let's just put it to the test. Let's look at the scripture, John 10, 10. The thief cometh to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I come to give life and give it more abundantly. So, is your life, is your health, is your finances, is your marriage, is your children? Are they being added to or taken away from? Are they increasing or decreasing? Are they shipwrecked? Are they safe in the harbor? Where's your ship today? Is it being tossed? Jesus is the master of the sea. When the disciples were out there on the Sea of Galilee, which is just a lake, it's not a sea. The Romans called any body of water a sea. We were there. We were on it in a little boat. You can see from one side to the other. Jesus was up on a, the mountain side right there praying. He could look right down and see them. And he saw that boat tossed and t- turning. I mean, in a terrible storm. And Jesus just came walking. Oh, listen. What seems like is about to destroy you, Jesus is walking on it. What seems like about to sink you, Jesus is walking on it. We don't have to fear. The master of the sea is aboard our vessel. When they were out there to storm another storm, he was he was sound asleep. And they went, woke him up. Don't you care that we perish? He got up. Well, come, come on, guys. Where, where's your faith? He said two things. Doesn't, sound, that, that, doesn't really sound like it makes sense. He said, peace, be still. I thought peace was still. He was speaking two things to two different situations. He said, peace, I think, to them. He was saying peace to their hearts. Because it doesn't matter what's around you as long as it's not in you. See, Jesus could be asleep in it, 
Because he was going on his word when he said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go to the middle and sink. He had full confidence in his word that they were going to make it to the other side. So he spoke to their hearts, to their minds, to their emotions. Peace. Settle down. Calm down. It's going to be okay. Then he looked at the wind and the waves and he said, be still. The wind stopped. The waves calmed down. The ship settled. They settled. I'm telling you today, you need Jesus in your boat. His hands on the wheel. His blessings upon your life. Him declaring peace to every storm. Is the devil the salvage master of your life? Or is Jesus the anchor of your ship? Today, if the enemy is stealing, killing, destroying, taking your stuff, today we're going to declare, devil, take your hands off of my ship in Jesus' name. But it's not enough to just rebuke the devil. Come on, we need to invite. Because Jesus is not a pirate. He doesn't come on your vessel uninvited. He doesn't just come take over. He doesn't just become captain unless you relinquish your control to Him. Unless you invite Him to come. Time that we take off our captain hat. And we say, Jesus, it's all yours. Get me to safe harbor. Get me where my life needs to go. Are you ready? Are you ready to get off the, out of the storm of life? Are you ready for the devil to stop stealing your stuff? Are you ready to be blessed? Today, let's make Jesus the captain. The one who returns our stuff. He doesn't steal it. He multiplies it. Come on, let's ask Him. Let's pray. Would you pray with me here in the building, those of you watching? Would you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I've been through many storms. But I'm still here today. I've run aground. My ship's battered. But today, I take a look at my life. Who? Has their hands on my ship. Am I blessed? Am I prospering? Am I encouraging? Am I serving the right master? Satan. Take your hands. Off of my ship. In Jesus name. Jesus. Put your hands. On my ship. Jesus. I invite you aboard. Jesus. I invite you. To be the captain. Of this vessel. I give. My life. Into your hands. Jesus. Forgive me. Of all of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. My Savior. My friend. 
the captain of my ship. Restore what the enemy has stolen. Restore my mind. Restore my family. Restore my health. Restore my finances. My stuff. My gifts and talents. Belong to you, Jesus. I'm yours. Take me to a safe harbor. Let me sail a new course. See new things. Experience blessings and favor. Like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what they begin to realize? Early captains, they begin to understand the Gulf Stream. They begin to understand that out there, there's a channel. In that channel, there's a current flowing. And if you get in that current, you can get to your destination so much faster. Than if you're just going on your own. Then there's also a jet stream. The airplanes sometimes go in one direction, fight it. And it takes them longer, takes more fuel. But then going the other direction, they get in it. And they reach their destinations quicker. With less fuel. You see, that's the favor of God. In your life. If you can find the stream of blessing. If you can find the stream of God's favor. And you can get in what God's already doing. You'll get to your destination way quicker. Than if you just try to do it on your own. You're trying your own sails. Your own engine. But man if you'll get in the favor of God. If you'll get in the blessings of God. If you'll get in the word of God. Get in the house of God. Get in that stream and that anointing. You'll reach your destination so much faster. And if you're going against it. You're sure having trouble. So today we change courses. Today we change captains. Today the devil's got his hands off my stuff. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Why am I blessed? To be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's not just about me. It's not just about hoarding stuff. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can be a blessing with. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap in the house today. God is so good, so faithful. We're going to continue to pray. Join us tonight online at 7 o'clock. Every night this week, Wednesday night, we'll be in the building. Saturday night, in the building, 6.30. We're praying.